We'll be in Mark chapter 15, 43 through 47, and then Mark chapter 16, 1 through 8. Give you an opportunity to flip there. Again, it's Mark 15, 43 through 47, and then chapter 16, 1 through 8. The word of the Lord from the Gospel of Mark. At that time, Joseph of Arimathea, a respected member of the council, who was also himself looking for the kingdom of God, took courage and went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. And Pilate wondered if he were already dead, and summoning the centurion, he asked him whether he was already dead. And when he learned from the centurion that he was dead, he granted the body to Joseph. And he bought a linen shroud, and taking him down, wrapped him in in the linen shroud, and laid him in a tomb which had been honed out of the rock. And he rolled stone against the door of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early in the first week, first of the week, they went to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the door of the tomb? And looking up, they saw the stone was rolled back. For it was very large, and entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were amazed. And he said to them, Don't be amazed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He's risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? But go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had come upon them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Let's pray. O God, whose Son, Jesus, is the good shepherd of your people, grant that we hear his voice, and that we may know him who calls us each by name, and follow where he leads, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Christ is risen from the dead, trampling down death by death, and upon those in the tombs bestowing life. Um, it, I want to say it's an, it's an awesome opportunity for me to be able to, to speak to you guys. It's been a, a good time studying and reflecting on this Easter season as we continue and move along in this Easter uh, holiday. It seems, maybe it's just me, but it seems that in America, as I've grown up these recently 28 years, uh, it seems that holidays go around in, in the same sort of fashion. There's this build-up for the holiday months, way too early uh, before the holiday. This, this huge build-up, and then the holiday it's celebrated, and the day after it's kind of like, all right, let's get ready for the next holiday. It ends right there. I remember as a kid, um, Christmas was, I mean, who cared about all the other holidays? Christmas was really the only one that I anticipated. And uh, from the decorations you'd see in stores as early as August until Christmas Eve, it was the best time of my life. I couldn't wait. Occasionally I would peek and see uh, what presents my parents got me. My brother influenced me to do that. I don't take responsibility. <laughs> but the anticipation was great. But then there was always this feeling right as every present was revealed and I got to see what it was. There was this slight slight depression, this feeling of, there it is, now let's figure out what I want to get for Christmas next year, 
there's that feeling of, all right, I've played with my toys, that's great. It's not that big of a deal. And I think that's, that's something that we can learn uh, from our society. That's something very different from the church and history as we know it in, in Christianity. We can tend to fall into that trap, you know, if you want to call it that, where we anticipate a great holiday and then end and move on. But in the life of the church, they were celebrated, these holidays. They began at these ho- the days of these holidays, and they continued for periods of time. Um, I'm not saying that we should have miniature Santa Clauses on the shelves all year long, you know, to remember the season uh, necessarily, that, you know, people can try that, but... Uh, while there is somewhere in the red, green, and white of Christmas sparks of significance, uh, sometimes it's lost. Uh, but this isn't the case with the church. Uh, we celebrate Easter not because we're still trying to capture some emotion or feeling. We're not hanging on. This is not the third week of Christmas or week of Easter because we're trying to finally nail it and then we can move on. It's something that we celebrate. Uh, today we celebrate because of what happened yesterday. Christ did not die and stay dead for three literal days and rise to, uh, to walk 40 actual days. He did that. And so today we, we reflect on that same, those same days, uh, the same things that Christ did. We reflect and we remirror today what they did then. Uh, so if this, you know, I'm thinking... It's still Easter, and we, we know what Easter celebrates. And I will continue to hammer that in, that Christ is risen. He is truly risen. And uh, some things may uh, be reminders more so than anything, and that is perfectly fine. I always love to be reminded of great truths. But I want to take a look at what the historical event of Easter means for us today. The history brings life to Scripture, and it brings life to tradition, and history brings life currently to our very souls. And today we continue the celebration that Christ is risen. He is truly risen. And we celebrate because uh, we can know the resurrection really happened. Uh, it's something that we can be confident in. There's no question of that. Of course, this is the point that a lot of people have debated through the years whether it really happened or not. And during the Enlightenment, there was great debate about the truth of it. Uh, in Christ's time, the, you know, there was great question or great uh, argument that took place about whether it really happened. In fact, the chief priests, you may remember, they tried to pay off the guards to say, hey, just tell them that the disciples stole the body because something in their minds wasn't settled about this whole thing about a body rising from the dead. That stuff doesn't happen. And it made them so uncomfortable they were willing to do whatever they could to cover it up. And today scholars argue about different theories, some holding to the denial of the resurrection that it actually happened, and some holding to the affirmation. Uh, You may remember Paul's words in 1 Corinthians uh, 15, verse 17, and it has been mentioned previously, uh, that if Christ did not rise from the dead, I'm standing here for no reason. Our faith would be... Our religion would be meaningless. He banked everything on, this is Paul, banking everything on this historical event. If it's not true, man, it really stinks because we're living like it is true. We're living our lives and uh, going about as if 
that is true. Paul understood that, and it was his intention to teach that very thing. So no wonder it's a hot topic. You know, no wonder people are debating over it because Christianity rises and falls on the resurrection. In the Eastern tradition, uh, today is the third, for some weird calendar reason, the third uh, week of Easter. And uh, we remember the myrrh-bearing women there at the tomb uh, who were the first witnesses. And I think this is significant in understanding just a small glimpse of uh, why we can be confident in this actual historical event. And here is the icon. Um, I think it's Russian Orthodox icon. Someone can correct me if I'm wrong. But there they are at the tomb. And there is the angel saying, very casually, why are you here? I mean, he already he told you where he was going to be. He's, don't, be, don't be blown away. I mean, he straight up pretty much told you. But of course, resurrections don't happen, so they didn't believe it. But the women were there as the first witnesses. And I think that's significant. Um, Unlike today, in, in the time of Jesus, uh, women, the word of a woman, you know, contextually, didn't carry weight in a, in a courtroom. If somebody, if a woman was to say, no, I saw this happen, the, the whole feel, the whole uh, culture was, you have your place there, we have our place here as men, women. So a woman doing that, they were like, that it's, it's non-sequitur, it's not really a, something that you would do. So the word of a woman wouldn't have been significant then. And I think it was compared to that of a slave, you know, which is uh, hard for us to understand, but that was the case there. Um, so Jesus didn't like show up in Pilate's courtroom or courtyard and say, guess who's here? You know, you killed me and I'm here standing right in front of you, alive. You know, the gospel writers didn't record that. They could have if they were lying. But they told the truth. They said, you know, first witnesses to the resurrection were, were women. So people would be, either people would dismiss that and say, that's ridiculous. Or they would say, you're obviously not trying to trick us because you're doing a really bad job. That's not really what the kind of lie that we would expect you to say. So, hmm, maybe there is some truth to that. And that's been called in the... In the scholarly world as uh, evidence from embarrassment that you know there's evidence that Christ has actually rose from the dead because if they were lying on the flip side that would be a very terrible lie they would have if they were truly lying they would they would have Jesus appear to Pilate and appear mostly to the, the members of the Sanhedrin who had a great part in having him killed so we can be confident that's just a touch of one of the things that we can know through that instance in the Gospels that Christ truly is risen from the dead. And they recorded it because it actually happened. And secondly, we celebrate because Christ has overcome the grave. This is uh, enormous. And a few weeks ago, Adam read for us the Paschal or Eastern Sermon, the Easter Sermon of St. John Chrysostom. Uh, and I want to read it again because I was doing research and study and, and looking at it and thinking this is, Adam would probably agree that it does a far better job at summarizing this point than either I, he or I could, could do. Um, <laughs> he was actually known for his eloquence. So I'll read it. He, this is great. It says, If any man be devout and love God, let him enjoy this fair and radiant triumphal feast. 
If any man be wise, let be a wise servant. Let him rejoicing, let him rejoicing enter into the joy of his Lord. If any have labored long and from the first hour, long in fasting, let him now receive his recompense. If any have wrought from the first hour, let him today receive his just reward. If any have come at the third hour, let him with thankfulness keep this feast. If any have arrived at the sixth hour, let him have no misgivings, because he shall in no wise be deprived thereof. If any have delayed until the ninth hour, let him draw near, fearing nothing. If any have tarried even until the eleventh hour, let him also be alarmed at his tardiness. For the Lord, who is jealous of his honor, will accept the last even as the first. He gives rest unto him who comes at the eleventh hour, even as unto him who has wrought from the first hour. And he shows mercy upon the last and cares for the first. And to the one he gives and upon the other he bestows gifts. And he both accepts the deeds and welcomes the intention and honors the acts and praises the offering. Wherefore, enter you all into the joy of the Lord and receive your reward, both the first and likewise the second. You rich and poor together hold high, likewise hold high festival. You sober and you heedless, honor the day. Rejoice today, both you who have fasted and you have disregarded the fast. The table is full laden. Feast ye all sumptuously. The calf is fatted, let no one go hungry away. Enjoy ye all the the feasts of faith. Receive ye all the riches of loving kindness. Let no one bewail his poverty, for the universal kingdom has been revealed. Let no one weep for his iniquities, for pardon has been shown forth from the grave. Let no one fear death, for the Savior's death has set us free. He that was held prisoner of it has annihilated it. By descending into hell, he made hell captive. He embittered it with the taste of his flesh. And Isaiah, foretelling this, did cry, Hell said he was embittered when it encountered thee in the lower regions. It was embittered, for it was abolished. It was embittered, for it was mocked. It was embittered, for it was slain. It was embittered, for it was overthrown. And it was embittered, for it was, fe- for it was fettered in chains. It took a body and met God in the face. Met God to the face. It took earth and encountered heaven. It took that which was seen and fell upon the unseen. O oh, death, where is your sting? O oh, hell, where is your victory? Christ is risen and you are overthrown. Christ is risen and demons are fallen. Christ is risen and the angels rejoice. Christ is risen and life reigns. Christ is risen and not one dead remains in the grave. For Christ, being risen from the dead, is become the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. To God be the glory and dominion unto ages and ages. Amen. And we see captured here both the connection, Christ's death is not the end of the story. His death leads to his resurrection. He was born in a cave and buried in a cave and rose out of a cave. The cross was not a demonstration of the Father's wrath towards sinners as much as it was Jesus taking dead, uh, d- taking head on, uh, death head on and abolishing its power and Satan's with it. The cross without the empty tomb and a risen Lord is no atonement at all. You can't have one without the other. The resurrection accomplished what the cross began. The self-giving love of God 
was on display, not merely for those who would believe, but for the entire world. And this leads to the third point. Christ has brought us life. And when Christ ascended to the dead and rose again on the third day, he brought more than a change in moral code. Christianity is much more than a refiguring of what we should do and shouldn't do as, as we live our lives. It is that, and it is much more. He brought more than your best life now. He brought uh, much more than that. Though, of course, we are to have our best life now. It is part of the call, but there's much more to it. We certainly are morally changed because of the resurrection, and we do live a better life now, but there's more to it. The kingdom of heaven that Joseph of Arimathea was looking for from what we read in the scripture passage for the day, is the hope that one day our bodies, like Christ, in Joseph's possession, out of the grave, will rise. The story doesn't end with death. As Christians, we often gather around a coffin to remember our lost loved ones or our um, deceased loved ones. But we're doing more than mourning. We're doing more than uh, remembering the good things that that person did. We're celebrating, as Christians celebrating that his body was made for much more than to lay and rot. His body, because of the resurrection, because of this season that we remember throughout our lifetime, it's the hope that that body will be uh, resurrected. Christ being the first one to do it, us to follow because of who he is. We know that because Jesus walked out of the tomb, that person that we're remembering if we're at a funeral will be lifted up and the kingdom of God will be established on earth as it is in heaven. If you do have your Bibles still open, you don't have to to open. Just hear the words of Psalm 68, 1 through 2 in closing and Psalm 118, 24. Let God arise. Let his enemies be scattered. Let those who hate him flee from before his face. As smoke vanishes, so let them vanish. As wax melts before the fire, so sinners will perish before the face of God. But let the righteous be glad. Psalm 118.24 says this, and if you know it, say it with me. This is the day which the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let's pray. Lord, we celebrate today remembering what you've done. We remember that tragedy of you dying. We call it good. Lord, we celebrate that you were dead for three actual days, Lord. We celebrate that after being buried, that three days later, Lord, you truly did rise from the dead. And Lord, we thank you for the fact that we have forever been impacted by your life and your resurrection, Lord, that we can hold on to the hope that we don't die and leave there, Lord, but your kingdom being established here, Lord, as it is in heaven, is a beautiful picture of what we can expect when we rise with you. Lord, we pray that you would truly 
enable us to, to walk this life and walk Easter knowing that we have been risen, we are different, and we live a good life, Lord, but we have an expectation greater than what we could imagine. And we pray that you would instill that in us. You pray, we pray that you would move us closer to who you are, change our hearts today and forever. Lord, we pray this in your name. Amen.